Welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the app and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. All right, y'all. It is late night Tuesday night. I'm in the lab in my home studio. A studio should be used very loosely, uh, just the room I do my work in. But I do have a desk, and I've got a nice mic set up, so I mean, I think I can get away with it. You guys can cut me a little bit of slack. Um, really nice day out today. It was a brisk morning at practice, wearing my Broncos coat, despite last night's outcome, mostly just because I was cold, but it's also a cool jacket. That was really funny. Jay Norvell actually was like, you're a true Broncos fan. You're wearing that today. But I was able to catch up with Clay Millen and Matt Mummy for a piece that I'm working on. I'm going to do a little intro here that kind of teases that piece. I'm not going to go into everything or uh, give away all the audio. You're going to have to be a DMVR member for that. But I did just kind of want to go over some of the numbers and talk about how statistically Clay actually fares well you know, through his first four starts, really three and a half because he got hurt in that fourth game. But, it, you know, he he looks pretty good when you look at his numbers compared to Carson Strong's and then Ty Ganges back in 2017. But when I started diving into it, there's just kind of a, a lot of similarities between this and 2019 with how Carson Strong's career started, you know, how uh, Clay's has gone just from an injury perspective in terms of, you know, finding his footing and then, you know, ultimately really succeeding down the stretch. And that's obviously the hope for Millen. But I'm going to go into some of those numbers. I'm going to talk about some of the similarities of the experiences that they're going through. Again, not going to go through it all. You're going to have to subscribe to DNVR. To get that feature, I had a really good interview with Matt Mummy today. And Millen's always solid as well. I will say one of the things that struck me about practice today was just that the energy was really solid. It seems like guys were upbeat. The energy was good. People were practicing hard. And I mean, it really does seem like the buy-in is there. And I am going to play a little bit of audio from Millen kind of talking about that. I asked him, you know, is this locker room coming together and what the impact has been? Uh, Then by request, we're going to talk about the transfer portal and do a little update on how some of the former Rams are faring this season. I'll kind of talk about uh, the numbers and, you know, the context of some of this stuff. But Before we get into everything, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out, though. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today with payouts bigger than ever. DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. The Nuggets, you know, they make their 2022 season debut against the Jazz tomorrow. That's a fun game to bet on. Jokic always seems to go off against the Jazz. Maybe you think Jamal's going to have a big game in his return. I'd be a little bit hesitant to back that just because, you know, coming back from the knee injury, I imagine it's going to take him a little bit, but... I love anything related to do with uh, Jokic in this matchup, especially now that Gobert's gone. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered even if he was there. Jokic always cooked his ass, but still, no matter what you are betting on, there's no better option than DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Colorado State, now six games into the season. They've had to play three different quarterbacks. 
lot of parallels to Nevada in 2019, who also had to play three quarterbacks through the first six or seven weeks of the season. It's a little bit uh, better of a situation, it seems like. One of those quarterbacks was Malik Henry, the former last chance U-star, who actually made a couple of starts, played well, then got benched due to poor play and essentially just quit the team, you know, like never went back to class. Uh, if you remember last chance U, that seemed to be that guy's MO. But I, I just kind of wanted to go through the numbers and compare him to Carson Strong through his first four starts. And then I also wanted to look back at Ty Ganji in 2017 and compare him as well. It, I, I should add that Ganji is not quite as good of a comparison. One, because he's a different style quarterback. Carson Strong, very similar to Clay, pro style. You know, the, the offense is very similar. Ganji was a junior when Norvell took over in 2017. He was already the team's starting quarterback. More of a dual threat, which was kind of what Nevada had before that. I mean, you know, going back to Kaepernick, the, you know, doing the stuff out of the pistol and stuff, they always just kind of had mobile QBs. The offense was tailored to his skill set a little bit more. It wasn't, you know, like the the true air raid. And even what they do now isn't necessarily the true air raid, but it's not the offense that Strong ran at Nevada or what Millen is running at CSU. There were some air raid concepts, obviously, and they wanted to stretch the field vertically. We got to see that firsthand in that 2017 Nevada CSU shootout. But I just wanted to see how Ganji and Strong started their careers and then, you know, how they finished to just kind of give everybody a point of reference for, you know, what we should hope for, you know, moving forward. So right now, through three and a half games, four starts, Millen 68 of 92, 74%. For 667 yards, five touchdowns, four interceptions. You know, obviously there were a lot of struggles with the offensive line early on. That should be factored into it. Uh, Carson Strong threw four starts in 2019, 80 of 134, 60% completion, so significantly less than Millen for 729 yards, a little bit more than Millen's 667. Strong had three touchdowns, five picks through his first four starts, so a worse touchdown-to-interception ratio than Millen. Ganji in 2017, and again, it's not quite as solid of a comparison because different style quarterback, he was a much more experienced player, had you know been on the field a lot more than Strong had in 2019, his redshirt freshman season, or you know Millen going into this year. But Ganji, through his first four starts, was 91 of 154, 59% completion, so not quite as efficient as Strong or Millen. He had 1,007 passing yards, so more than you know Millen or Strong at this point, 10 touchdowns and six interceptions. So, you know, gunslinger, he was able to make some plays happen, also took some chances. What was really encouraging, though, when you look at both Ganji and Strong, and I guess we'll just go back the other way, you know, Ganji in 2017, he finished with a 3 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio over the final 8 weeks, 228 of 374, 61% for 2746 yards, 25 touchdowns, 11 picks. So he had 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions in the first 4 weeks, but he had 15 touchdowns and only 5 picks over the final 8 weeks. So he just he was a lot more efficient. They were able to produce a lot more points and they were turning the ball over less. You saw improvement. Strong, his situation was wonky because he started the first three games. Then he missed the UTEP game, which was the fourth game of the season after taking a beating. Uh, Strong then played against Hawaii, but was pulled at halftime. They ended up losing that game like 54-3. to Christian Solano goes in. 
He started against UTEP the fourth game. Week five and six, Malik Henry plays against San Jose State and Utah State. Strong then comes back against Wyoming, gets pulled in that game as well, uh, but does finish the rest of the season. And he actually had a four to one touchdown to interception ratio over the final five weeks. He finished the year 237 of 374, 64% for 2,535 yards, 11 touchdowns, seven picks. I mean, Clay at five touchdowns right now, he would need one touchdown each week for the rest of the season to not finish with more touchdown passes than Strong. Probably not going to pass Ganji, who threw 25 that first year. But again, he was a junior already, the team starter the year before. And Norvell and Mummy, you know, deserve a lot of credit for catering that offense to his skill set and not trying to, you know, make a square fit in a circle. You know, it's just one of those we see far too frequently in college football. It would have been interesting to see uh, Todd Santeo in this offense. I imagine it would have been somewhat similar to what they did with Ganji, just in terms of implementing some read option stuff, you know, more QB keepers and just taking advantage of the the dynamic rushing abilities. But they were really high on Millen for a reason. And, you know, whether it was Centeo or, you know, bringing in a different veteran quarterback, you could have done that. It might have allowed to have some more success early on, maybe. I mean, I don't know with the with the offensive line struggles and, you know, some of these other guys not being 100% bought in before, you know, obviously leaving the team. It was just kind of a weird situation altogether in that first month. But, you know, the hope is that Clay Millen is going to progress. And what's really, really encouraging is, He's already much more efficient than any of the previous quarterbacks that went on to have success under these coaches were, at least in the early stages. We always knew he had a big arm, but what's really been made clear these past couple of weeks is that he's just the best to run the offense right now. And that, you know, it it was just so stagnant. And that's not to be hypercritical of Braden Fowler Nicolosi, who I think needs to you know, work on some mechanical things. And, you know, the coaches have told me that. That's not just my opinion. And Giles Pooler, who, you know, was admirable in the way that he stood in the pocket. But I mean, at 34% completion, you just, you can't win that way. There were just too many instances these last two weeks where easy completions were missed. Watching Millen throw in practice today, he looked good. He told us afterwards that he feels fine, you know, maybe a little bit rusty, but, you know, not dealing with pain at the moment. It'll be a situation we have to monitor because especially with something like an AC joint, you know, you think you're starting to get better and then, you know, maybe you push it a little bit too hard and it can kind of be nagging. So they've got to watch that. They just don't want to do anything to rush it or, you know, make the problem worse or just make this a, a lingering injury. You know, you want to make sure you're 100% before you get him back out there, especially when, you know, you're one in five. Not impossible to go 5-1 and one and get into the postseason, but I mean, we, we can all do the math. It's obviously not likely. Anyways, I'll you know, write about this in more depth for DNVR members and you know, just kind of talk about some of the parallels between 2019 and 2022. Some similarities with 2017 as well. That team also started 1-5, but they finished much better down the stretch. Based on how hard the Rams have played the last two weeks, based on what we saw in practice today, I would like to think that there's a good opportunity to. I'm going to play some audio here with Clay Millen talking about the team coming together. And then I will talk about the transfer portal situation, take a look at how some former Rams are doing and uh, the latest guy to leave the team. 
Before we play that audio from Millen, Breckenridge Breweries, the official beer of DNVR, beers on tap and regular seltzers are being sold in the bar. You know we love our Breck beers at DNVR. Supporting our partners is the best way of supporting us. Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion, and there's no better way to watch a game than having some Breck Brew with you. They've been doing it for over 30 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for just making damn good beer. You can never go wrong with an Avalanche Amber Ale. The Juice Drop IPA is definitely a classic. Vanilla Porter Jr., Strawberry Sky, Summer Pills Shandy. I'm a big Mountain Beach Sour guy. Their Good Company Hard Seltzer line is extremely popular. If you want to try any of these, check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find the closest brew near you. It's a super dope feature. You don't have to drive around going liquor store to liquor store. You just hop on there and it'll tell you the closest one near your location. Super epic, just like everything Breck does. Check it all out at breckbrew.com. Have you noticed the locker room coming together? I mean, you guys have played really hard these last couple weeks. For sure. I think there's way different mindset because I think a lot of those guys, some of them were playing that, that were here. And I think that, you know, if you have players that are on the field and they're not really bought into what we're building here, then obviously, you know, I wish them the best and everything, but you don't want them in the locker room. I mean, if they're guys that they're just really thinking about themselves and, um, you know, a lot of those guys are just people that were playing. Like, it wasn't like it was backup guys that were that weren't getting a lot of minutes. A lot of those guys are playing. So, obviously, it was disappointing to see them leave, and I wish them the best. But at the end of the day, you know, we got a much better locker room now, and everyone that's still here is bought in, which is a lot better vibe, and that's what we want at this point in the season. All right, before we talk about how some of the former Rams are faring with their new teams this fall, uh, Alex Barrowett, redshirt freshman running back, has announced on Twitter that he's decided to enter the transfer portal uh, committed in May 2020 under Adazio, signed with CSU over offers from Fordham and Holy Cross. Seems like a good kid. Uh, we had him on the podcast back when he committed, but I mean, I just I can't say I'm shocked. The East Coast recruiting ties under the last staff were interesting, but it, it's just not that shocking that a lot of those guys that came over because of those coaches with East Coast ties are no longer with the team. Cam Baratow, actually the rare exception with that one, playing really solid football for CSU in the interior, had a big-time sack in that last game. Really, really encouraged by him. That said, you know, I, I like that the current staff is recruiting the hell out of California. It's what all the most competitive teams on this side of the country do. They're working on their local ties as well. Uh, you know, shout out Bill Best and Tommy Perry. But you got to land the right guys. You know, you, you need to find the Howells and the Blackburns of the world. Those are few and far between, though. And that's not taking a shot. I love Colorado high school football. I love going to games. I love when those guys are able to come to CSU, represent the state, and, you know, help with the foundation of the roster. But if you want to be competitive and, you know, you want to be more than six and six, seven and five, you know, you've got to be able to land some elite talent from the West Coast. And CSU is doing a really good job of, of recruiting that side of the country right now. It's just a more natural, you know, recruiting footprint for CSU to have based on the teams that we're going to play, based on just the general like style and like culture out here. I mean, it's it's just a lot different than the East Coast. And again, that's not to say that you can't have some some success out there, but we saw it with Bobo too and some of the guys that he brought over from the South. I just think, you know, you're more likely to get individuals that feel homesick and, you know, have to deal with culture shock because it's just so much more different than what you're used to experiencing. Whereas, you know, Colorado, California, there's definitely a lot of differences, but there's a lot of similarities as well. 
Anyways, like I said, I wanted to give an update on how some of the former Rams are doing. You know, when you look around the country, obviously the transfer portal is just a big part of college football. We're all going to get more and more used to seeing former CSU players playing, you know, elsewhere. We'll see it next season, you know, wherever Taiwan Francis and, you know, Dante Wright, Ty McCola, all these guys end up. But I was interested to see, you know, where a lot of the guys that left, you know, last winter in the spring, you know, before summer ultimately ended up and how they're doing. I mean, the obvious one was was Todd Santeo. I mean, quarterbacks that are easy to follow. James Madison off to a great start in their first season in the FBS. Five and one. They did unfortunately drop a game here. But he is playing the best football of his career. I mean, 64% completion rate right now, and he's throwing at a much higher volume. 1,780 passing yards, 9.4 yards per passing attempt right now. 17 touchdowns, only four picks. Comparatively, he had 10 interceptions last year with 15 touchdowns in 12 games through half of that. He already has more touchdowns and is on pace to finish with 20% less interceptions than he threw a year ago. I mean, hats off to to Santeo. He's clearly playing the best football that he's played. Uh, There were moments where we saw him flash, you know, in... The season last year, but, you know, kind of going back and looking at that Ty Ganji stuff in 2017, it made me even more frustrated regarding Santeo just because, you know, I I defended him quite a bit. I still think he's limited as a pure passer, but, you know, I talked about how when the team would go down big and they would open things up and let him, you know, run around and use his athleticism, you know, spread the field, he can make some stuff happen, but you know, Adazio was just so dead set on trying to make the Rams play his way and not the way that that team was best suited to play. They just, they didn't have the offensive line. They didn't have the backs to be a ground and pound team. Then on top of that, they would never allow the passing offense to get in a rhythm until it was far too late, you know, until they're down big because they were so focused on playing Adazio's way. And, you know, clearly there were some, some missed throws by Centeo where, they could have had big plays down the field, but in his defense, it's pretty hard to connect on those when you're not like in a passing rhythm consistently. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, drop this bomb 60 yards and hit a guy in stride. I just feel like the the last staff did such a poor job of maximizing his opportunities to be successful. James Madison, on the other hand, has, you know, unleashed him. They've spread things out. They let him run. I mean, they're they're letting him play his way, and it's it's been cool. It's effective. It's you know mostly against Sun Belt competition, but or you know comparable. But I'm not trying to take away anything from what Todd's accomplished. I think it's really cool. I'm absolutely rooting for him. I think he was in a really challenging situation last year. Again, you know, I feel like the coaches held him back. Same with Trey, and those guys. You know, every week had to come to the podium and you know speak for the team after you know, loss after loss. And it's it's just a tough situation to be in. So I, I couldn't be happier for him. Outside of Centeo, um, there aren't like a lot of guys starring. Rashad Ajayi is the starting nickel for West Virginia, but he didn't play in 2021. So he didn't really leave because of Norvell. He had made that decision, you know, while Adazio was still the, the head coach, but still, you know, cool to see a former Ram doing well out there. In six games, he has 16 total tackles, 13 of them solo. He was a really good tackler early on in his career before he had to deal with injuries. That was kind of you know one of the things that stood out about him. Does have, have a couple of pass deflections.
The other former Ram at West Virginia, tight end Brian Palendi, Dazio signing that transferred over from Miami, has zero catches so far this season. Outside of those two, Cam Reddy is the starting center at Liberty now, which is unsurprising. He's a guy that I feel like could have been impactful had he stayed around with CSU. And Tao Tai Marks is now the starting offensive guard for Tulsa. Finally, there's Linwood Crump, the corner that transferred from Temple to CSU. He has eight total tackles, a half a tackle for loss, two pass deflections, no picks at New Mexico State. So, I mean, it's it's cool to see that some of these guys have been able to find, you know, new homes and establish themselves well. That said, I do think it's interesting you know, kind of looking at where a lot of these guys ended up, which is, you know, programs smaller than CSU. Not everyone, you know, I'll go through, I got a list here. Um, I mean, you look at Picazzi, Vincent Picazzi, the veteran offensive lineman, he ended up at Northwestern. Uh, Mike Chiafani, defensive lineman, ended up at Rutgers. So there were a couple ex- exceptions. Um, they're not doing much, but I mean, most of these guys, Evan Olace ended up at Indiana State, Matt Vallecci at Albany, Jonah O'Brien, Eastern Illinois, uh, Corey Taka is at CSU Pueblo, Kaiwan Herndon is now at Alcorn State, Kyle Helbig, a local prospect, you know, tight end, he's at Northern Colorado, you know, Bama Mina, I'm not sure he's at linebacker yet, can't find anything on him, uh, defensive back Brandon Coleman is at Wagner. A lot of small schools, you know, it's it's not like, Isaiah Nair, the former Wyoming wide receiver, you know, going to Texas and immediately impressing there, or the former Wyoming DB CJ Colden going to Oklahoma, and here he has a couple of picks this year. I mean, even Levi Williams going from, you know, Wyoming to Utah State and all the other interconference transfers that happened. You know, other Mountain West schools, they weren't interested in these CSU players. You know, most big schools, they weren't interested in these former CSU players. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, with the guys that left this fall. You know, it's too early to say. I do think a couple of them, Taiwan, you know, Dante, they'll command some interest. But, you know, the majority of them, it's going to be a very similar deal. You know, they're going to be transferring down if they can find a spot at all. There's a lot of guys that enter the portal, you know, walk away from a scholarship just to find out that there's no other opportunities out there for them. They can be a brutal reality check. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. That's just the truth. So that's all I've got for today. Kind of interesting to go back and compare those numbers, you know, from the old quarterbacks at Nevada to Clay Millen. And then, you know, fun to go down memory lane a little bit and talk about some former Rams. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you use the code DNVR when you sign up. We'll be back with more content throughout the week. Looking forward to being back at Canvas this Saturday for the Hawaii matchup. Should be a fun one between two programs that are in rebuild mode, but are coached by, you know, good friends. And in my opinion, were the definite, definitive, you know, right hires at the time. I actually reposted my feature from Mountain West Media Days this past July, talking about how Norvell really lobbied for Timmy Chang to get the job. And then, you know, I had an interview with Chang just talking about what it was like coming over to CSU, then, you know, getting the dream opportunity to, to coach his alma mater. If you haven't read it, I think it's a fun one that you guys will enjoy, but we'll get more unique content out this week as well. Like I said, I am writing that piece on the quarterbacks, but uh, yeah, that's all I've got for this one. Much love y'all. Peace.
kid with the cuff khakis wearing graphic tees feeling way too trendy raps that kill oh i'm deadly primed and ready like machetes at a deli in new delhi feeling scummy like martin scarelli turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice but water's the truth so i sip on that too skinny looking kid with no car keys like the only thing i drive is rcrv's got the stash like steve harvey oh i'm gnarly